I have faith in people. I, I believe in people and that, you know, we all have this fantastic, perhaps inexplicable capacity to do good. Like we, we can believe in things bigger than ourselves. And when you dehumanise the whole climate change thing and just look at, you know, I don't know if you just think of like log- lobby groups and politicians and, you know, the systems, the institutions, like it can get quite depressing very quickly. I, I just continue to return to the fact that people have this unparalleled capacity to solve problems and to be good and um, they're going to continue to do that. Welcome to the Sustainable Jungle podcast. That was Oscar Pierce, school captain of Elder Park College in Melbourne. Right now, as I'm recording this intro, the world is facing the pandemic that is COVID-19. With the impact changing so swiftly on a daily basis, we just don't know what the status will be in a couple of weeks' time when this episode gets published. But we do hope that you and yours are keeping safe and that your community is pulling together to solve problems and look after one another. And perhaps share a toilet roll or two. And now to lighten the mood, we have a very special fun-filled episode in store with Jenny Whelan from Elbert Park Kinder, a preschool in Melbourne that was the very first in the country to become carbon neutral. And we also have Oscar Pierce, a year 12 or final year student and head of the school at Elbert Park College. Both are leading the charge to become sustainable schools. So in this episode, we talk about what it took to become carbon neutral, how they are inspiring other schools and even facilitating this movement, and also various thoughts on education, school strikes, and how things are changing for our young people. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode, including all the relevant links over at sustainablejungle.com forward slash podcast. And now before we begin, here is Sophie from Elbert Park with an acknowledgement of country. Get to our kinder. We as groups would to acknowledge the ultimate plan of the the first people of this land. Jenny and Oscar, welcome to the show and thank you so much for having me here at the Albert Park Kinder in Melbourne. Let's kick it off with learning a little bit more about you both. Perhaps we can start with you, Jenny. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? And how did you become interested in sustainability? Mm, so I was born and bred in the Western District on a dairy farm at a place called Forest, which has a sign that says Gateway to the Otways. So it's, uh, I've learned since travelling that it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. And I think that is why I am so dedicated to environmental issues, because I just grew up surrounded by natural beauty and really want to protect it. Amazing. And the town's called Forest? Forest, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> it is. And where I went to school was a little... Um, area beside it, not a township, because all it had was a school that was actually called Durangameet, which was Indigenous term meaning land of snakes. So plenty of snakes. Plenty of snakes, (laughs) mostly tigers and browns. Yeah, tigers, browns, blacks, all sort of shapes and sizes. All the fun Melbourne snakes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very cool. How about you, Oscar? Um, I, well, I was born in Melbourne um, and I've been a city kid, I guess, for most of my life, but my grandparents have a farm um, down in near, near Meredith um, and so I, I was, particularly when I was um, small, we were always on, on the weekends duck down there and um, I would go out and climb trees and stuff like that and I guess perhaps on some subconscious level that was where I first developed, you know, real love of the environment and of the earth. But then also I remember um, first you know, getting involved in this area of things on a more, I guess, intellectual level when um, 
I would have these great chats with, again, my nan in the car um, after, you know, picking me up from school about, you know, about whatever Tony Abbott happened to be doing at the time and, you know, all that sort of thing. Or Tony Rabbit, I think we called him, or Tony Bad Habit, something like that. And, um, yeah, and I, it, it sort of for but, but Nan but also my mum, we would just talk about these things from, you know, when I was still very young and, frankly, you know, I probably didn't have that much to contribute to the conversation. But uh, it was just great to be able to, you know, be empowered to be thinking about those things and it was such a great sort of thing to be a part of and is why I'm still so interested in it. Absolutely. So mm. it was a combination of tree climbing and exposure yeah. <laughs> to tree climbing and yeah. and good political conversation exactly. and debate from a young age. It's yeah. you know the perfect combination. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think every kid should learn how to climb trees. Oh, Absolutely. totally. My nan taught me how to climb trees when I was tiny, <laughs> and she took it very seriously. It was almost like it was part of my education. You know, like <laughs> where to put your foot in the branch, really? wow. which types of branches to look for so that you don't fall. Mm. Like took it and like her her sort of mark of success. Was how high I could get without falling. <laughs> yeah. Goodness, yeah. I, I was self-taught, so I would oh, uh, wow. instead of perhaps learning that, I'd instead spend my evenings counting the bruises, oh, okay. and, uh, <laughs> comparing with my brother. We learned a lot done from falling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> well, that's true. Literally yeah. and figuratively. Yeah. Absolutely. And now we're obviously here to learn about a few things, but one of which is the amazing Albert Park Kinder. Uh, but before we get into the incredible achievements that the kinder has achieved over the last short while, or long while, I should say, <laughs> um, if you could understand exactly, I mean, we've got lots of international listeners from all over the world, and not everybody knows what a kinder is. So maybe, Jenny, you could explain sort of what is Albert Park Kinder, and what are the sort of age range of the kids that come here, and how many kids come here? Mm, yeah, so in the course of a week, we'll have 80 families across four groups, and those groups will range in age from three to five. So... Uh, from an Australian context, it's the two years before primary school. So, um, yeah, three to five, a, a special magical age in children's <laughs> development yeah, where they really show their climbing skills. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> super interested in climbing. Definitely. And we can hear them in the background, that, yeah. that delightful noise going on in the background. Mm. They were asked to be quiet for the podcast. <laughs> and I think that's their attempt, which is pretty good. <laughs> pretty good for three to five-year-olds. Definitely. No, we definitely... Um, Part of what we do at early childhood is really encourage children's voices and their opinions that children should be seen and heard. So, uh, yeah, they know that their voices are really welcome here. They really matter. Yeah, that's very cool. And how did how did the kinder first become interested in in tracking their carbon and becoming or reducing their carbon? Yeah, so we had. Um, there's definitely within the curriculum a big increase in focus on environmental issues and sustainability, definitely across all school levels. And we wanted to really embrace that. We had actually three separate projects that were going on. We wanted to improve our connection with the local Bunurong, our traditional custodians of the land. And we also were exploring wellbeing and mental health and sustainability. So. What was exciting for us is that those three projects, which were initially separate endeavours, just came together and overlapped and we realised it was the same thing. It was like happy people help happy planet. So that's been um, a big part of the journey and the promise to bundle. So again, in an Australian perspective with our local traditional custodians, bundle is a creator deity that asks two things of us to care for the children and the land. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh gosh, we're an early childhood centre. <laughs> You're perfectly That's exactly what we're going to yeah. do. And then I think the most important 
moment, we've worked very closely with Sustainability Council uh, representatives and there was a moment where Brett said, Jenny, don't sweat the small stuff. This isn't about double-sided copying today. This is actually about measuring your carbon footprint yeah. and doing something about it. So that sense of purpose really made us um, think about what our dream was, what was the big dream goal, and we wrote it down. We actually put it on the wall and we took a picture of it and said we will become a carbon-neutral kindergarten. So the, the plan was definitely not to be the first. The plan was to be carbon-neutral. It's just we only found out when we submitted, actually, that we were going to be the first early childhood service in Australia. And whilst we're proud to be, we actually would have preferred to have been the last. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the goal now is to make sure that we're not alone with that and to bring and inspire change in all of the schools. Yeah, amazing. Well, how exciting to sort of get the get the memo that you've actually the, the first, but as you say, yes, on the flip side, you were sobering. Yeah, 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 yeah just sobering. Um, but tell me, that was a that was a long journey. That was a five-year journey, it's I understand. Journey, yeah. Tell yeah. me about that. How, what were sort of the major milestones? What did you have to go through? How did it work? Yeah, it's it's interesting looking back and, um, and seeing that story and how the different chapters came together. There was so much learning and there continues to be. And I think the other thing in terms of philosophy from schools, we're lifelong learners, so we're really cool with that. That's a good part of it. But one of the first things, uh, the rainwater tank was actually the very first thing. Mm. And we really looked at those essentials like water, clean air and healthy land. And we measured so we and we continue to measure all of our outputs and we found that lighting was a huge huge issue for us here wow. so traditional fluorescent lighting which was the standard installation in all schools was actually a very very large part of our emissions so simply converting to led made a huge impact wow just switching your light globes just switching yeah. the light globes in fact <laughs> when we measured it there's one room in the center that was traditionally a dentist and we didn't realize that the fluoros that were in that room mm. were particularly energy intensive because they were dentists yeah, yeah. and so uh, when council measured that room they said oh 20 percent of your lighting is actually coming from the lights in this room they stood on a chair, pulled out two fluoros, and we were able to measure the next day. The impact was immediate and no loss of light either. It was just something we were just accepting because it was there and no yeah. one thought about it or thought it through. Mm. And that's been so important and so valuable. So solar, though, was the most important step. Right. And that involves some fundraising within the community because we didn't have the budget for it ourselves. And solar is what got us across the line. But the biggest moment for me was disconnection of the gas. Yeah. So converting the gas hot water system to a solar hot water system achieved mm. that. And in the flurry of activity on the day <laughs> when you've got like a lot of people coming in doing different things, someone said to me, oh, the plumber's gone to turn the gas off. And I'm racing out the door. <laughs> I said, I have to get a picture. <laughs> and moment. I did. And the kids all came and pointed to the very, very last metre reading. That was a really exciting moment. And particularly for the plumber, because he hadn't, he then became really interested in the story. Why is this so important? Right. And where does this fit in, in that story? 
So that was the year that happened, 2019. That was our first carbon neutral year. Gosh, very satisfying. Mm. And I understand there was also sort of a partnership with the local council. Is that also, yeah, I mean, I've heard you talking before we started on the podcast today about sort of how to work with the council and things that you need to do to sort of get the rights, yeah. promote the right change with them. How did that work? So our, um, our local council, City of Port Phillip, have a program called Seedlings. So that is a program that works on environmental initiatives with kindergartens and early childhood centres. So they provide that knowledge and that guidance and mentoring. So it's been five years of working pretty much exclusively with a gentleman there called Brett Hedger, and it's just been the most wonderful journey. And it's been a journey not just about action but about thinking about big picture goals, setting smart goals, talking with the children about goals and actually just creating a mindset of um, of just dreaming big. Yeah, it's, mm. it's been amazing. And then they've helped us specifically in ways to the, they gave us a grant for the batteries, the solar batteries, which has been really helpful because we do have some overnight usage that the batteries are now covering as well. Very cool. And you've also tackled waste. Um, yeah. I just saw the, the the little bins around talking about feeding the worms yeah. and stuff. Tell me about that. Yeah, <laughs> so waste, surprisingly, has been lots of fun. So it's been really <laughs> fun to tackle waste. And the kids have been really interested in it. And the worm farms are very, very popular. And feeding the worms is really a very special part of the children's day, as well as all the planting that they do in the community garden. And we have two green cones now, which we're also subsidised by council, and they're amazing. So they work like a digestion system, so they liquefy the waste within it, which means some of the things the worms are fussy about, like bread and citrus, uh, are just welcome within that. Yeah. So, And we used to have three bins, now we only have two bins. So we actually reduced waste to the point where we gave a bin back to council. Oh, how said, satisfying. Yeah, it was very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids actually filmed a little video. They loved it. They hid behind the bins and jumped out from behind them. We used to have three bins, now we only have two bins. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something that I've found um, so impressive coming as a student at the uh, local high school. It's um, it's just incredible how passionate and how engaged these kids are. Like they're all, you know, they're all, um, as Jenny said, between three and five years old. But they they, you know, are so proud of their their worm farms and their um, green cones. A little while back, I got a, a tour around, and and a few <laughs> of them would just tag along and would you know stand with quite uh, almost smug smiles as they sort of <laughs> gestured at the worms and stuff like that. They just it brings them such genuine joy to be doing these things and to you know, and to be teaching these big kids about how we can be doing it better. It's really, it's inspiring stuff. It's super inspiring. I, I watched the ABC video, so I'll put that in the show notes so anybody listening can go and watch it, but it was such a cute video, oh. like <laughs> watching the kids proudly show their worms oh, yeah. off and their meter readings and everything. Tell me more about their responsibilities in keeping the, in keeping the kinder carbon neutral. What else do they need to do? What are the kids' responsibilities? Yeah, and it's um, we definitely want kids to be at the centre of it as well. And I think that's one of the important things that we're looking at as we partner now with the local primary school and the high school. It's uh, As adults, we can run away with things, but it's really important to keep the kids at the centre of it. So the meter readings they do every week, they love doing it. It's part of <laughs> numeracy, number recognition. 
the water meter's a bit hard to even find. So that's a bit like um, <laughs> treasure hunt. Yeah, it's a treasure hunt looking for the meter. And then we look, walk past the gas meter. Oh, you know, we don't read that now. No, we don't need to read the gas meter anymore. Those numbers stay the same. So planting is important. I think what, you know, what we were talking about before, in terms of David Sabell, he looks at a lot of echo warriors and he can find a consistent history. They've either grown up in beautiful places or they've been immersed in beauty when they're young as well. Mm. So that's a big, we've actually put that within our philosophy as a kinder too, that, you know, the children are really trying to teach us <laughs> that all of world's creatures, big and small, right down to the tiny ladybird, are deserving of our respect, love and attention and that's part of what's going on with the kids is them just reminding us what a magical place the world is yeah. and what an incredible thing to be a human being and to be part of that system. Totally. I mean, I, I, I've often noticed that on our podcast, the guests that we have have had this sort of deep connection in some way, somewhere in their background. Um, and I always worry about it. And I've said this a thousand times on the podcast. Our listeners are probably like, seriously, <laughs> you're saying this again? But um, I always say, you know, like city kids who don't yeah. grow up with any sort of exposure to plants or soil or ladybugs, you know, you know, it's it's a worry. Mm. So it's awesome to hear that, that definitely you know, early childhood centers are taking that on and teaching kids how to plant things. Definitely, and that's that strong connection to well-being and mental health as well. Mm. It's yeah. like we really need that connection, and we need to keep our green. We need our green color all around us. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's really important and it's why it's so important, I think, that we're having these discussions at school levels mm. with students of all ages and giving students of all ages the opportunity to be involved in not only the conversation but the action. And it's it's been empowering hearing all, you know, you've already shared some of these, Jenny, all your stories uh, from this five-year journey, you know, you've been through and how, um, you know, little things like exactly that, the changing of the light bulbs and how, it's it, it's easy at first glance as a student to think of climate change as something that's, you know, well beyond you. It's something that, you know, ScoMo is talking about. It's not something that I, <laughs> I'm talking about. But, um, but, but hearing all these stories about, you know, little changes that had a big difference and how they can so easily multiply and grow when paired with, you know, similar actions, it, um, it, it adds a certain amount of agency and, and empowerment that's, you know, really quite fun to have and uh, means that, Things like, you know, the school strikes that have been going on, are, um, there's such a positive, you know, spirit around it all. There's such a, an enthusiasm and an excitement and it, it brings in students who otherwise, you know, that can be, you know, quite ambivalent about school or about, um, you know, the world in general. It's, there's something, you know, uniquely bonding about the fact that we can play a really real part in it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just so exciting. It must be so empowering. Mm. To know that you have such power uh, as a school kid you know like it's in <laughs> it is really i think changed the agenda completely you know for us in australia and, ab and abroad to see these school strikes it's just been i feel like it's been a real changing point for us as humanity which is really inspiring um but but now oscar i understand that the uh, carbon, the, the goal of carbon neutral is spreading and contagious. Yes, it sure is <laughs> contagious. Yep, no, it is indeed. So tell me about about your journey. So at the moment, the uh, the alliance is a three way partnership between the Kinder um, and the local primary school, Albert Park Primary School, and, the, and uh, my school, Albert Park College. 
And the goal there is to try and work together in a collaborative way to um, A, achieve things like carbon neutrality and uh, zero waste, um, but also more broadly, I guess, to be acting as a model for other schools and other um, community organisations and to inspire a community-driven um, cultural shift towards, you know, promoting environment and loving the earth and all those sort of that reverence for nature. And um, so I have, uh, you know, I've been a bit late to the party, to be honest. I, I got involved um, this year as uh, as was well as college captain um, at APC. I one of the the big goals that I and the other student leaders at the school have been is to try and aid this process, to assist this this push for carbon neutrality, which has come from, um, you know, just the, from the inspiration set by Alpine Kinder, but also from the top at APC. Um, and so we've been, you know, talking to Jenny about things that we can do, um, you know, curly questions, as she likes to call them, that we can, <laughs> that we can ask to try and, you know, inspire action and things like that. And um, it's... So I've, you know, been lucky enough to, to be working with some truly incredible students who work for, who do stuff with AYCC, planning school strikes, and people who are far more, you know, embedded in the environment movement than I am. But I've been lucky enough to work with them and with Jenny and um, with my school uh, in general in terms of trying to uh, get the ball rolling on carbon neutrality. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And so what are some of the initiatives that are already underway? Well, we're looking to get a, uh, a, an adopt a solar panel initiative underway, which is something that a few schools have done. Um, and it, it involves basically saying all right, to the community, um, if you give us you know, X amount of dollars, we'll uh, be able to put up a solar panel. It'll be, you know, it'll be your solar panel, so to speak, in that you can track how much energy you've saved and how much money you've saved the school. Um, as a way of uh, trying to attract community mm. fundraising to not only, you know, push it forward monetarily, come yeah. into charity, but also to get the spirit around it. Because the exciting thing, um, Rob Gell, who's guided our journey as well and will continue to mm. drive the WASA, the Wawiruwu Sustainable Schools Alliance, he said something to me a few years ago and he asked me, he actually said, look, what you're doing is great, it's fantastic. But I want to ask you a question, another one of those yes, curly, curly curious questions. questions. Yeah. He said, where are the biggest um, rooftops in your municipality? And I said, oh, well, that would be, you know, South Melbourne Market, yeah. Albert Park Colleges, yes. new building roof. And he said, can you tell me why they aren't covered in solar? Right. And I'm like, no. No, <laughs> I, yeah. no I can't answer that question. Yeah. So part of the exciting thing of bringing the schools together as well as the shared learning is to share the rooftops. So if we can cover, a lot of our schools are in heritage buildings with slate roofs, which don't make them really feasible for solar installation. Mm -hmm. But the APC Dank Street campus is one of the largest roofs when you look at the mm -hmm. aerial photo of our area. Right. And we can cover that rooftop and power yeah. the satellite campuses of Albert Park College remotely from the roof. Wow. As well as combine mm -hmm. our solar output. And so that for me is the really exciting bit in terms of where we're going, which is to take those rooftops and go, what's going on when we're not there? Because there's a significant proportion of time during term breaks when the schools are empty. Right. So can we use that power then to power a community project mm. when we're not there? Amazing. And yeah. so that yeah. is really, WASA's got all these great little things that are happening 
like every day, yeah. including today. Yeah. We're talking about waste today. <laughs> but there is a bigger picture plan that we're working towards as well, where we can really not only inspire community by modelling it, but actually directly support community by sharing oh, it. Which is by far the most exciting component. Yeah. yeah. So excited. You might better tell. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. You guys are both sort of like bouncing out of your seats yeah. with excitement. Oh, very cool. I mean, I think just the, you know, the opportunity to spread the message amongst other schools. And I mean, like Australians are competitive, right? Like, you know, everyone's <laughs> yeah. going to be like, well, well, we want to be more carbon neutral than you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think that's going to be a really cool outcome. And, and also, I understand that there is an, an awesome connection with the local Boonwurrung. Mm. Tell me about that. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, so our um, our promise to Bunjil continues to inspire mm. us moving forward. So Waru Waru has come from Bunurong language. Uh, in fact, one of the most challenging things around the Alliance so far has been naming it. <laughs> uh, it was really hard. You know, that's the thing when you're sharing and you have partnerships is you have multiple stakeholders. So finding the name was a challenge. So I um, picked up the phone and called Jaden from the Bunurong, who is our advisor, and asked him the word for stars because the year nines had actually mm. come up with stars as a great logo opportunity and because the alliance doesn't aim to be limited to the founding three schools we want to include all the schools in the city of port phillip yeah. on bunurong land the sense of having a star logo where each new school that comes in would put their mm -hmm. star on as per our geographic coordinates oh, wow. so that logo will actually grow. Very so cool. I asked Jaden what the Bunurong term for star was and he said it's tert. And that wasn't quite the <laughs> word that I was sort of hoping for, I guess, <laughs> in terms of its sound. But then he elaborated that waru waru means heaven and stars. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I think we've found it. I think we've found the name. And... The kicker was, he said, there's an ephemeral meaning that to look above and beyond. And I thought, well, this is definitely mm. the name because this is definitely what we're trying to do. Yes. This is big picture thing. Yeah. 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 And in addition to the name, it's there's a lovely intersectionality about it all because a lot of the same, um, you know, issues are present um, in the, you know, the issue of the environment, but also in terms of First Nations reconciliation and recognition because certainly growing up um, in this area, there's exactly as you described, that problem of not being exposed to the environment and developing that reverence. Equally, there's often a lack of exposure to, you know, the, the cultural origins of this place and the story behind it and, and what it literally looked like, you know, so thousands of years ago, um, you know, before you had cars everywhere. Yeah. We're sitting on a rest. swamp, basically. We're sitting on a swamp, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was a something. swamp? Yes, so sure kidding. was. And... Um, and there's something really important about when we're pursuing, you know, carbon neutrality and zero waste and that we're also looking to um, promote and recognise that cultural heritage and, and recognise that, you know, natural heritage. And to, to pair all those things up is not only, you know, fantastic and exciting, but it's also right. It's, it's the right way of doing it. And it's, um, it's, you know, it's a good thing to be a part of. I wanted to share, I heard a story uh, when we were in Cape Town, we did a couple of interviews uh, down there in South Africa. And one of the one of the interviews we did was with EcoBricks, which are, uh, in South Africa, we don't have very good um, recycling systems. So EcoBricks have become a thing where you, you shove your soft plastics into, an, into a bottle, a two liter Coke bottle, 
and you fill it up and it takes three weeks worth of waste. It's like quite astounding how much you can fit into a Coke bottle. <laughs> and they are then used for community projects. So you can build like benches with them, you can build um, temporary exhibition spaces and this EcoBricks um, eco group is also building a primary school, a pre-primary pre school. But while in that interview, they were telling me um, that the head of EcoBricks, Ian, was telling me about a local school in Cape Town that has, man, I can't remember exactly what he said about it, but I think he said it had gone carbon neutral. But also, they had done huge conservation projects on the mm -hmm. land where they had identified what sort of local native species had sort of disappeared or didn't have the right corridors to um, to sort of spread, you know, a lot of sort of birds. There was one particular bird that needs um, a bush within a few meters yeah. to be jumping yeah, from. Yeah, we have a lot of the same problems, yeah. yeah. Right, so the school actually took it upon themselves to build like a huge corridor through the mm. school of those particular bushes for that native species to oh, enable, you know, that, that bird to come back, which I thought was very cool. That is, yeah. 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 And we do, we have it here with our koalas as well. Mm -hmm. So eucalypt leaves are quite indigenous. So a koala that's grown up where I grew up in, in forests in the Otways is not going to enjoy eating the eucalypt <laughs> leaves that are in Macedon. Oh, so right. It's a real issue around care. Ooh, <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> Very cool. What's that? This is um, this is one song drumming. It's an amazing incursion. The kids just coincidentally are happening today, <laughs> uh, which is a Native American drums. Incredible! Wow, um, very nice. I'm glad you're here to hear it. Actually, yeah. uh, isn't makes it amazing? It's it just made us stop, yes. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We totally planned that. Yeah, that yeah, was all yeah. supposed to be part of the podcast. <laughs> now I want to hear about any other. Oh wait, before we get onto that, there was mm. one more question I wanted to know about, which was, you know, we talk a lot about the school kids and the and the schools taking action, but what about the parents? How how do they fit in? How have they reacted? What sort of um, you know, is is the perception or their their reaction generally positive, or have you had any pushback, or how does that work with parents? How do they fit in? Mm. Well, what's it been like at the kinder? Well, the kinder perspective is the parents have been really, really behind it, and um, it makes me think of a little story when I first met the APC principal, Mr. Okay. Cook. Uh, our local member of parliament said to me, "Oh, what do you think of you know the new principal at the new school?" I said, oh, look, he's great, so inspiring, <laughs> talks about values, is so visionary. And he was surprised, Martin Foley was surprised. He said, why are you so surprised? Good schools reflect community. So yeah. it should be automatic that you feel an alignment between the mm. schools because if you're doing it right, if you're reflecting community, then you will be automatically aligned. Yeah. And that's really today, like mm. this is why we're sitting here, we, we are so aligned. And it is because that is in our community. Our yeah. parents do want it. We're lucky enough to be in a pretty, you know, quite a privileged area, an area that has, um, I think, been, you know, quite well educated on the risks of, um, you know, human destruction of the environment and therefore, yeah, are quite uh, supportive of these things. And yeah. so there's a nice, you know, three-way connection between school, student and home um, that I think we can continue to grow on, certainly at, um, at the college, at the high school. Um, but yeah, it's it's it's. It, I've always been a you know I've always felt that there's really strong support for this kind of thing from home. It, it's what enables us to say, in year nine, one of the 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 whole year is devoted to studies of the environment, really uh, environmental science, 
and uh, and an artistic response to that you know study and so that that kind of stuff doesn't come about. <laughs> music's gone up a notch, but uh, that that sort of stuff doesn't come about without you know support f from the parents, and yep. that's why um, that's why we're able to do these things. Yeah, awesome. And I just had one more question that um, it's just come to my mind. <laughs> wow, you let them have their moment. <laughs> so. I wanted to I wanted to get a sense of how things have changed over the course of your high school career mm. or maybe your entire school career. Mm. I imagine that when you started in year six, I don't know what what years do high school start these days? I forgot. Se seven to twelve. Seven yeah. to twelve. When you started in year seven, um, I imagine this probably wasn't the forefront of kids' mind. How has it changed? Mm. And you know, is it now an element of I don't want to say peer pressure. That feels yeah, like the no, wrong word, but, but like. How is the perception changing with um, amongst school kids? Well, I see, I see what you mean because even if it isn't perhaps peer pressure, but there's <laughs> certainly there is a groundswell of support for this kind of thing for climate action and for getting involved as a student. It's um, back in year seven, I think the the notion of literally leaving, like striking, leaving school, would be kind of absurd. I mean, we were all aware of you know the the. The, tr the truly tragic stuff that was happening with the environment and the, the importance of action and that kind of thing. But equally, you know, we, um, there wasn't the same uh, emphasis on youth action. And that's something that has really just um, grown astronomically, I think, over the time that I've been at high school, certainly in my own um, impressions of it. Nowadays, everyone I know, you know, supports this stuff. Every, so many people I know get involved in it it's so normal now it's yeah. so it's so run the mill it, it's um it's it's become yeah really exciting part of everyday schooling is the the assumption that you know we've got a role to play and that we will play that role yeah. um and it, equally we continue to hear more and more um you know from teachers and from but also you know out in the world that uh you know it's gonna be our generation that's gonna um you know, have a big role to play and to, to do that, uh, to, to implement a lot of the things that need to be implemented. And there's something, um, there's sort of a, a you know, there's, there's, I guess, to a degree, a solemn responsibility that comes with that, but there's also, um, a yeah, something really exciting and empowering about being told that, all right, this is, you know, it's up to you guys, you've got this. Um, and that's a message that I'm hearing more and more, and it's, it's a great thing to be hearing. Very cool. And I think for me, um, children are incredible problem solvers from a <laughs> kindergarten perspective. So I think we have a problem. We've created a problem. We know what the solutions are and we just need to give ourselves the empowerment to take that on. And that's what I think is exciting. And I think on the other side of it, we're seeing the impact. I, mm. I guess over the last six years that you've been at high school, mm. we've got more visible evidence around the changes that are occurring than we would have seen before yeah, yeah. and i've got um brothers in grade one and grade two at the moment um also a brother in uh, year 10 but the the younger ones there it's just such a given for them that you know that the earth is something that we love and we need a treasure and that at the moment we're not really doing that but in the future we'll fix it and it'll all be good it's right. it's just kind of this narrative that um that it isn't imposed upon them, but just something that they've picked it's up, and, and it's just it's just it's right. Like treating the earth right is what needs to be done, and um, and we're going to do it. And uh, it's it's 
it's just there's just something unique about hearing it from these sort of young um, kids who you know I guess in the best case scenario don't have to think about these things but but you know it's it's um, yeah it's, it is really inspiring yeah and so much hope and we were talking about hope before Jenny mm. maybe you can share you were you're about to sort of go on this journey of hope and we were like, wait for the podcast. <laughs> so maybe uh, maybe you can share what is making you feel hopeful right now. I do feel hopeful and uh, it's because I'm surrounded by children every day and I just do believe in their capacity to find solutions. Will we develop fuel that will fly planes that's um, <laughs> organic and biomass? And Yeah, I think we will. Like yeah. I, I see these kids coming and I think, we're just layering ourselves. We've just got this incredible capacity for change and for problem solving. Mm. And I've also read um, a book recently, Ross Garno's book, Superpower, and it actually I really recommend it to anyone who's feeling dismal or bleak about the future. There's actually real opportunities in a carbon-free world, and I just... I'm excited. I want to see yeah. it. That sounds like an amazing book. I mean, I have to say, I've been reading sort of darker narratives <laughs> recently on climate change. Sure. So yeah. that sounds like a really good, uplifting version of the story. What is the the What are some of the amazing insights that his book highlights? Well, I think the most important thing for me is a sense of vision. So I think in the landscape at the moment, we talk a lot about targets, which is mm. not something that we talk about at Kinder. In fact, we're just interested in what our actions are going to be today. Like, what are we doing? Which is really where the Schools Alliance is. What are we going to do in 2020 mm. so that we can look back at the end of your year 12 year and mm. say, wow, look at the distance travelled. Yeah. Yeah, like, let's enjoy that and celebrate that. But I think in, in that book for me, the learning I took away from it was to imagine what Australia will look like post-carbon mm. and actually to have that vision now and work towards that vision. And I think it's a uniting vision because there's a lot of benefits for us as a nation. We're really well-placed to take advantages of many elements of a carbon-free economy and society mm. and a world. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen 2040. <laughs> yeah. How inspiring. I mean, just think... As you said before, why why can't we have that now? You know, yeah. like all of that technology exists. Yeah. It looks like so much more of a better life. Like, yeah. why aren't we embracing exactly. it? Exactly, and it's yeah. a the other fantastic part of twenty forty is I, I my favorite part is at the start when they get the kids to talk, and yeah. again they're just <laughs> such pragmatic solutions. Yeah. Such you know, like they're like, isn't this obvious? <laughs> exactly, we're gonna you know develop some sort of like we're gonna teleport all the rubbish into a different dimension i think one of the kids says or something like that I'm like great all right get out there and make it out it's you know it's fantastic just hearing all these stories and i think that the thing that always gives me hope is that when you i have faith in people i i believe in people and that you know we all have this fantastic perhaps inexplicable capacity to do good like we we can believe in things bigger than ourselves and when you dehumanize the whole climate change thing and just look at you know I don't know, if you just think of like lobby, lobby groups and politicians and you know the systems the institutions like it can get quite depressing very quickly but if you think of, if you just I, I just keep, continue to return to the fact that people have this unparalleled capacity to solve mm -hmm. problems and to be good and um, they're going to continue to do that yeah awesome I love that <laughs> and What's next for, for both the Worry Worry and, and for Elba Park Kinder in the coming year? Anything particularly exciting that we haven't really talked about? 
Oh, well, yeah, look, we're, <laughs> we're on a mission for sure. So it won't be the last you hear of us is my hope. <laughs> so the carbon neutrality is the big goal. Yeah. I think part of our learning as a kindo and when people ask me, well, how did you get to where you got to? It was having a clear, visible goal and shouting it loud and proud. And once we did that, we just had our community responding and saying, how can we help you do this? We yeah. want to get on board with this. So the LED lighting from Midi's example, they're like, we want to be part of this. We want to be part of this story. And uh, capturing and sharing the story is something I talk yeah, about a lot, no, isn't it? That's the biggest lesson I've learned yeah. from Jenny is yeah. that don't underestimate a photo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take photos of everything. Yeah. Yeah. You do. You, yeah. you want to just capture it because you want to enjoy it because yeah. it is the motivation to move forward. So the big motivation um, – the big goal for me, it starts with WASA now with our three founding schools in Albert Park creating a carbon neutral precinct. But for me, my hope is that the federal government, uh, as well as having a carbon neutral organisations network, which we're part of at the Kinder by being carbon certified, which is amazing because you get to share knowledge with all these like-minded people from businesses, big and small, across Australia. But my hope is that there'll be too many schools trying to join it, that they'll have (laughs) to form their own carbon neutral schools network throughout Mm. Australia. So Mm. that's part of the logo design, actually, is that um, Bundle's wing will have the stars of our municipality, his right wing, but that his left wing will be blank because that will represent the opportunity for the rest of Australia to follow on this. Because when you look at our statistics here, we've got 64% of our emissions in the city of Port Phillip are from electricity. Well, we can change that. We don't have to wait no. till 2025. 20, we can do that now. Yeah. So it's a year of action for me, definitely, around those sorts of elements. Mm. Very cool. Very cool. How about Elba Park College? Well, we, I mean, we're trying to, you know, uh, as a as a school leader, we are trying to um, set up as many projects as possible that are supporting exactly that vision in terms of, uh, you know, attracting fundraising and, and applying for grants and stuff for, to get these solar panels up. Um, but also the, the school has been, you know, very supportive of that. So that at this moment, hopefully, is a given that that's the, the carbon neutrality, zero waste, that that's all going to happen. In the meantime, one of the, I think... Probably the most exciting thing that I'm looking forward to being part of this year is that we are hoping to run a like a, a student conference, a day where classes are cancelled and we um, and the the <laughs> keys to the car, so to speak, are handed over to students and we run a completely environment themed day in which we're getting guest speakers, we run activities and workshops. Uh, hopefully, you know, pair get that intersect intersectionality going. You know, get in the Boomerang Foundation, things like that. And hopefully it'll be a really good um, time to, you know, further promote this message of youth activism, of youth empowerment and um, making a real and active difference step by step. And so I think, yeah, that and, and other similar projects, uh, yeah, what's coming up this year. Very cool. And one more question for you, and you don't have to answer it if you're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm curious is... You know, you're in your 12, you're obviously thinking about your career. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, you know, how, how has this influenced how you're thinking about your career? Gosh, I mean, it, if anything, it's it's just what it's emphasised is that, you know, just little things, like this is the kind of thing that I like to do. Like I, I, I wake you up in the morning, I like to think, all right, I'm, I've got an International Women's Day breakfast in the morning and then I've got a podcast with <laughs> Jenny at, at 10 and then, you know, I've, you know, a bit of class in there somewhere and then a uh, basketball grand final in the evening. Like uh, it's, 
I think I still don't really know what I'm going to do for a career, but I know that I want to be doing something dynamic and something where I'm, you know, talking to people and learning from people and engaging with people. And I think it's it's nice being able to, I mean, I've been so lucky to be presented with a lot of these opportunities that take me out of the classroom and just get me doing weird and wacky things. And, it's, <laughs> um, and that's what I want to continue to do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Weird and wacky. Just weird and wacky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Full of human kindness. Like, yeah. I can't imagine how proud your parents are because <laughs> I'm so proud of you. But it, oh, it's thank just, you. Yeah, I think this is the exciting thing about working, particularly with little children, is wishing you had a crystal ball. Like, yeah. where are those <laughs> Where are they gonna go? going to go? Yeah. Because yeah. we've had um, a little boy who said once, it's just classic. Uh, I, we tell this story quite a lot because it just stayed with me. It's one of what we call the wow moments that you know that you're just not going to forget. Yeah. And this child said, you know, Jenny, Mother Nature, she loves us. She loves everybody. <laughs> she particularly likes Aboriginals. And actually, you know what? I don't think she liked dinosaurs. <laughs> and then that little boy just sort of ran away just and just up. left yeah. me with this moment where I was quite speechless because yeah. within those statements I felt were, like if anyone says to me, your children don't understand climate change, I tell them that story because, yeah, the dinosaurs are not here now. <laughs> children are fascinated by them. Yeah. Where did they go? And it really is a reflection of just how volatile mm. our ecosystem is, how we just the nurture nature is just so crucial to where we're going and those tiny little ladybirds that children <laughs> are fascinated with uh, deserve our fascination. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Reminds me of that Dinosaurs in Love song. <laughs> Have you heard that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, well, I'll send it to you after. Yeah. Have you seen oh, it? Okay. No. Okay, no. no. Well, you got to see it. Okay. <laughs> you, you will appreciate it. Oh, so, yeah. uh, I thought it went viral, obviously, just viral in my little world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, right. Now, I think, oh, yes, one more question mm. on on key messages. So we'd like to ask on the podcast sort of what key messages, based on your experience, would you like to send out to the world? If you could sort of have one message that goes out to every person on the planet and is truly heard by them, what would that be? It's a big question, so it's fine if you need a minute to think about it. Mm. For me, it's join us. Join us in carbon neutrality. It's a great place to be. It's exciting to come to work every day and just know that we're not treading heavily on the earth and to be modelling that for children and to have taken something active in terms of partnering with the bottom mm. line, <laughs> something <laughs> meaningful for them yeah. <laughs> and taking inspiration from the children yeah. who are just really upstaging our podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> they really helped you build up that point. Yeah, it yeah. really raised the climax. Um, my message would be, I think, just to back yourself, just to uh, believe in your capacity to to be an agent of change and just get going. Just just truly back yourself, get going. Um, you know, you never know. You just never know what will come of your, your actions and your self-belief. Yeah, just do stuff. Do yeah, stuff. Yeah, do, do stuff. stuff. Do get stuff. it done. <laughs> do and now if anyone who wants to stay in touch with you guys, even if it's just virtually sort of follow along the journey, what is the best place to do that? I know that the Kinder has a, has a news page where you can – we do follow yeah. along. we get around to updating it every now and again <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think we won't we're not going quietly are we no no, no we're so. not going quietly i think we're hoping to shout loud and proud the things <laughs> that we achieve in the hope of really inspiring other people to join mm. us and, and i think 
I know we've had our key message, but I think one of it is it's actually not too hard. I think anyone who thinks it's hard, I, we want them to hear it's actually not hard. It's, mm. it's actually easy. We just have to have the goal, sit down, make the plan, follow the plan, yeah. deal with them. Sometimes it's as easy as removing some light bulbs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. And what about Waru um, Waru? Is there a way to follow along with that? Not yet, Not yet. But I think that's a really good, I think it probably does need a website. A website so would not I, yeah. I think um, we've got our first meeting next week with some other local schools. So McRobber mm. are coming and um, St Kilda Primary are coming. So it will be very hard to wipe the smiles off our face then. <laughs> that, is, that is the yeah. sign that this is working. Yeah. that um, other schools are joining us, they want to be part of it. We'll share our experiences and our knowledge together. Mm. Some of that knowledge is simple things like you need to get your electricity bills, you need to yeah. have them in a place where you can find them. Mm. There's lots of simple things that we'll share, but the bigger vision is part of it. And, yeah, I think a website would be a great – is that mm. a design job for some of the yeah. APC think, design you know, students? Year 12 computing, they've got yeah. a project on Give at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's but also um, in the meantime, hopefully it'll, I'm sure it'll play a big part in any future APC newsletters which release, which come out each month and you can get them on the um, Albert Park College website. But yes, okay, we'll definitely. certainly have to up the comms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think there'll be some, um, you know, which has been the kinder's experience, the comms sort of come and the phones start ringing. So you, that's why I keep saying, must be ready for this. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, people do want to hear this story. Mm. There's a lot of interest in the story, for sure. Sure. Well, thank you both so much for having me. This has been oh, such a fun for... and super interesting conversation and so hopeful. I mean, I'm just so impressed with what you guys are doing to not only educate children, but the wider community. I mean, it's incredible. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you very much for having us. Super inspiring to think that education is playing a significant role in changing the course for a more sustainable future and led by such impressive individuals. It certainly is exciting to think that the children of today will be taking the reins in the not too distant future and doing big things. As always, thank you for listening and we will finish this episode with a little drumming from the kids at Elba Park Kinder and a sound bite of one of the Kinder's students. Please enjoy. We look after the plants and animals and the land.